Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I think the Atlanta Hawks have a good team. The key to this series is obviously Trey Young. This team goes as he goes, but the role players, Bogdanovich, uh, John Collins, Capella, they're going to be crucial. Lou Will is a guy who's going to get buckets, and I think the Knicks, they're going to need Julius Randle to play like Julius Randle. I look for the Knicks to even this series up 1-1. Lakers and Suns tied 1-1. I think this series just comes down to Chris Paul and his health, honestly. Without him, it's tougher. It's tougher on Devin Booker. It's tougher on DeAndre Ayton. It's tougher on the coaching staff and, the, and that team in general because he's the leader and spark plug for them. So I, I think if he's not 75%, they don't really have a chance. Clippers are in danger. Mavs up 2-0. Luka goes off for 39 points. Them as a team right now, they wanted this matchup. They're thankful for this matchup, and they're taking this personal based on the loss they took last year. It is damn it time. It's damn it time for them for sure. Welcome to the 113th episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode 113. It is currently Wednesday, May 26th as we record. And on this date in 1987, Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals with five seconds to go, Larry Bird famously steals Isaiah Thomas inbound pass, hits a cutting Dennis Johnson who scores to give the Celtics an improbable 108-107 to victory. Celtics would win the series but lose the Magic and the Lakers in the finals a great great story to kind of recap where we're at in today's society it's playoff time and for those of you that are following are aware that we lost to the Denver Nuggets in game two in interesting fashion to say the least I think they did a tremendous job of bringing energy to start Uh, they were physical they forced a lot of turnovers personally I had five turnovers way too many as a guy who takes care of the ball, I have to do a better job, and we'll do a better job next game. I think from an intensity standpoint, we have to match and surpass that at home, and we will. But credit them for, for playing extremely well. Joker was a problem, as always. Um, damn near 40 points, a lot of rebounds, uh, five assists, kind of controlled the game, got what he wanted. And I think the, the crucial parts of the game were when Joker was out of the game, 
and we didn't do a good enough job. Me personally didn't do a good enough job uh, with the second unit uh, taking advantage of, of that time. And I think going forward, that will be one of the keys for us as a team. But as the saying goes, it's, it's definitely tough, tough to beat a team twice in a row, especially on their home floor. We would have liked to, to go up 2-0 heading home, but now our reality is that we stole a game on their home court and we have a great opportunity on Thursday uh, to play in front of our fans, which should be about 10,000 fans, uh, which is going to be great. And I'll kind of get into the importance of fans later on in the podcast, but we're all looking forward to, to playing at home in the playoffs, having fans um, We've been playing with about 17 or 1,800 fans most of this season. Uh, zero fans, and then we jumped to 1,700. So this will be a huge, huge gap. Uh, and that first game with fans this season against the Lakers, there's only 1,800 people there, but it honestly felt like it was damn near full, which is which is awesome uh, for us as players. But looking back on our matchup with the Nuggets so far, uh, what's worked, <laughs> obviously, Dame has has been tremendous, uh, scoring over 30 points in both games, over 10 assists in both games, uh, efficient, effective, shooting the ball well, drawing crowds. Um, he's been tremendous. And, and what hasn't worked well, I think, for us is uh, defensively, we just got to tighten up, uh, tighten up and pick and roll coverages, tighten up on Joker. Uh, continue to make it difficult for MPJ, some of their role players, uh, prevent second chance opportunities, and obviously get back in transition. And I think those are things that we'll we'll have to to sure up in order to to get rid of these guys in five or six games. Dame's second quarter was probably one of the better second quarters I've ever seen, um, especially in person. I think he checked into the game at about 6.30 or 6.25 left in the second quarter and went on to score, uh, I think it was 22 points. Um, he hit six threes in the quarter, all a variety. And I think the the shot that was heard around the world was the literal literal logo shot uh, off the catch. He, he got a pass from Rocco at the top of the key towards the half court line. It was kind of standing there. He did like a little shimmy to kind of like breathe um, and raised up and shot an effortless rope. Uh, we call them ropes when it's right on the line. It's it's perfect rotation, uh, barely touches the net and goes through. And that kind of showed you how locked in he was and that he meant business. And he set the tone for us. And I'm looking forward to to seeing, you know, how we come out on Thursday. I know the guys are excited. Uh, we'll go through practice today, obviously tighten some things up. I'll see my PT, get me a fresh cut and uh, spend some time with family before we go try to take care of business. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the officiating, uh, not only throughout the playoffs, but throughout the regular season. And I think far too often we place a lot of blame on officials far too often. Uh, we argue with officials. I think it's a it's a tough job for them. And Joker talked about how he doesn't, he doesn't know why anyone would want to be an official because it's essentially damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, regardless of the, the circumstances, someone's going to argue uh, the call. And I think far too often... A lot of players aren't honest. Uh, when I foul, I, I generally raise my hand. I'm like, yeah, I did it. Or when, when something happens, I'm like, yeah, that was a good call. Like, how'd you see that? I think a lot of players get bad reps because they argue every call, even when it's blatantly obvious that they did it. And I think that puts the, the officials in a tough spot. And I also think that the way flopping has evolved and the way players have gotten better at manipulating calls, um, manipulating their bodies, throwing their head back, um, sometimes the refs are, are deceived uh, and duped. And I think the flagrant I received, obviously it was a foul. Um, the little buddy um, tried to take up my space on the inbound and I 
I got him off me and pushed him down, and they, and they end up reviewing it and calling it a flagrant. I thought it should have just been a, a regular foul or off-ball foul, whatever the case may be, and look forward to appealing that. But I think those are just situations and circumstances in which um, players kind of take advantage of you know some of their acting skills and some of their flopping. I think that puts the, the refs in a tough spot. But going forward, I don't think there'll be any issues in the playoffs in general. I think some of the refs ha- are burnt out. Um, just as players are from the long season and stress that comes with COVID. I've heard stories of referees being on the road for 25 to 28 straight days, you know, refing games and traveling. And obviously they're flying commercial, landing in cities late and kind of going through uh, a lot of the same issues we're having minus the commercial flights of just fatigue, uh, testing all the time, being away from family and being exhausted. So uh, I kind of understand where they're coming from and look forward to continuing to progress forward in these playoffs there's going to be a lot of physical play the rest will do their best to kind of keep things under control and we'll do our we'll continue to do our best to, to perform at a high level and and try not to argue but there's a lot to discuss um so just make sure you're following the show on apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever you get your podcasts hit us with a five-star review share the show with a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long and stay locked in because we got the Warriors. Um, obviously, getting knocked out of the playoffs. Have to talk about Steph's extension. Kwame Brown's been a huge, huge trending topic as of late, clapping back at critics. I'm going to give my thoughts on that whole situation. And first and foremost, we'll continue to discuss the playoffs. East, West, who's up, who's down, who has a chance, and who doesn't on the Pull Up Pod. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Back to the playoffs. Looking at some of the series right now, obviously starting with the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are up 2-0 on the Heat. The Nets are up 2-0 on the Celtics. And I just want to break down the game a little bit for a second. Game two is out of control, <laughs> just to, to put it lightly. Well, we, we were able to watch some of the game before we played against the Nuggets, and the Bucks got up big early. Bryn Forbes was, was great throughout the night, hit a lot of threes, uh, fed off the energy of the team. And they end up winning 98 to 132. And I think the biggest difference uh, between game one and game two was the role players. Uh, The role players stepped up in in tremendous fashion. Um, Obviously, Forbes was great. Uh, He hit six threes. Pat, my guy Pat, was great in 19 minutes. He had 15 points, hit five threes. Bobby Portis uh, comes off the bench with 11 points. And I think that was the difference in the game, the energy they brought. You know Giannis is going to play well. You know Middleton. Uh, Drew Holiday are going to kind of set the table. Um, the difference was the role players. 
the the fact that Drew Holiday only had 11 points uh, kind of shows you how the game was going. Uh, he he tied a franchise record with 15 assists, uh, tying TJ Ford's record for most assists in a playoff game. And he essentially set the table and did whatever he wanted. And I think based on this roster right now, uh, Drew Holiday being a, a great addition, obviously, um, P.J. Tucker, uh, some of those guys bring a defensive element, but also a veteran leadership element that I don't know that he can match. Um, they have a lot of depth. They've been efficient. They've been effective. And they've been able to control Jimmy Butler throughout most of this series. Uh, Jimmy goes four for 10, scores 10 points. But the game was basically out of hand for the beginning. With the series flipping back to Miami, obviously they'll have fans. They understand that game three. Is a must win when you get down uh, 0-2. I'll look for the role players to play better at home. Uh, Dwayne Dedman's been great throughout this series. Drogic has been great. Two veteran guys who you know you can consistently get performances from. But they're going to need Duncan Robinson to play well. They're going to need Trevor to, to knock down threes and defend at a high level. And they're going to need Kendrick Nunn to play well. But the key to this team, obviously they have role players, is, is Jimmy Butler. He has to be playing MVP caliber basketball for them to have a chance to get out of this round. And I think that's the difference. Uh, in the bubble, um, he was tremendous. He was effective and efficient down the stretch of games. He hit big shots. And obviously he had a 40-point triple-double in the finals against the Lakers uh, to make that series interesting. So look for him to not only play well, but to also understand that the team will go as he goes. So I think that'll be the key. I obviously have the Bucks winning this series, um, but the Heat can make it very, very interesting, uh, especially if they can get game three and four at home. Looking at the Nets series, um, I thought the Nets were going to run away with this series, obviously, uh, because of their talent, because of their depth, and no Jalen Brown. The Celtics have been banged up all, all season long, and I think that's going to be the difference. Um, looking at the way the, uh, the last game went, Tatum ends up getting knocked out of the game. The Celtics, they didn't really stand a chance um, in this series. And I think Brad Stevens talked about the depth of the, the Nets, how most teams and most people across the NBA who are analyzing the game are going to pick the Celtics to lose. And I think it's the, the writing is on the wall. This series is over. There's not much the Celtics can do. Um, if if Jalen Brown wasn't hurt, I would, I would give them more of a chance uh, in this series. But... I think they'll make a couple games interesting down the stretch, but end up losing uh, in the gentleman sweep or an actual sweep. But they do have a really good team. They're solid. Uh, Marcus Smart, Kemba, Evan. Tristan's played well, but I don't think they have enough firepower to kind of match up with the Nets. Um, Harris was tremendous. Uh, knocked down, what, seven threes. I think he hit five threes in the first quarter. Obviously, KD was KD. Uh, <laughs> scoring 26 points on 12 shots. Kyrie only took 12 shots. James only took 12 shots. Blake, <laughs> Blake's dunking on people with his left hand, kind of showing that the athleticism is still there. Uh, it's funny that Detroit fans are probably extremely upset right now considering he only, he only had about two or three dunks in his, <laughs> in his tenure with the, the Pistons, and now he's getting three, four dunks in a game. But I think the Nets are a lock to get out of this series, and that potential matchup with the Bucks is going to be something to watch. And that's for sure. Moving on to the last two games in the Eastern Conference, you got the Hawks up 1-0 on the Knicks. They play tonight. You got the Sixers up 1-0 on the Wizards. They also play tonight. The more intriguing series of the two is definitely Hawks versus Knicks because they're playing in the Garden with about 15,000 fans. Trey Young hits the game-winning floater. He shushes the crowd. He says it's quiet as you-know-what in here. And Derrick Rose's response to Trey Young talking trash is, if you want to talk shit, you can talk shit, but just understand that it's going to be tougher 
the next night out, and the next night out is tonight. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I think Trey Young is a really good player. I think the Atlanta Hawks have a good team. They're deep. Obviously, they added Lou Williams, who's been extremely helpful, not only from a scoring standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint. He told Trey Young down the stretch that, I don't really care what happens. Just make sure you shoot it. Don't pass it. Kind of control your destiny. This is your team. They put this organization around you and uh, kind of go do what you do and seize your moment. And he did just that. But I think the the key to this series is obviously uh, Trey Young. This team goes as he goes. But the role players, Bogdanovich, uh, John Collins, Capella, they're going to be crucial. Lou Will is a guy who's going to get buckets. And I think the Knicks, they're going to need Julius Randle to play like Julius Randle. And he talked about the excitement, the adrenaline rush he had. And I think that was a difference in, in why he ended up shooting 6 of 23 from the field. But I think he's going to get back to his normal self. And I look for the Knicks to even this series up 1-1 uh, before they head back to Atlanta with full capacity. I think this is a six or seven game series in which I don't know who's going to win, but the, the key will be role players and the key will be stars playing like stars. I went to the Sixers series. I think the Sixers are just a better team. Brad and Russ are terrific. Uh, they're going to make it interesting every night. They're going to keep them in the game. Brad's going to score 30. <laughs> Russ is going to get a triple-double or close to it, but they'll need their role players to step up. They'll need Ish Smith and a lot of those other guys to, to be effective, to be efficient, to be aggressive. Uh, when those traps are coming, they're going to need to really show up. And the other key will be, not allowing Tobias Harris to score nearly 40 points. I think that was the difference. Toby's a really good player. He's aggressive. He's got a mid-post game, but you can't let him get off like that, understanding that Joel Embiid is already hard enough to stop and is going to demand a double and triple team. And then you let Steph Curry, uh, Steph Curry, Steph's brother, Seth, who's also very good at basketball, hit three threes and kind of spark a run throughout that game. But I think the Sixers take that series and uh, make it very, very interesting um, with a potential matchup in the second round. On to the West. Lakers and Suns tied 1-1. I think this series just comes down to Chris Paul and his health, honestly. Um, He's the difference for them. He's the guy that kind of makes them go. He put them over the hump with his fourth quarter leadership, closing ability. Um, pick and roll stuff. The way he runs the team is unlike anything we've seen. And without him, it's tougher. It's tougher on Devin Booker. It's tougher on DeAndre Ayton. It's tougher on the coaching staff and in that team in general because he's the leader and spark plug for them. So I, I think if he's not 75%, they don't really have a chance. They'll compete. The games will be close, but they'll need him to be healthy. I'm just not sure he will be able to in this series. And it's unfortunate because this is a very, very winnable series for the Suns. Looking at AD, he flipped the switch again, uh, playing extremely well after the 13-point performance. Tied his career low. He got back in the gym, said he needed to tighten some things up, be more aggressive. Ended up shooting 21 free throws, which is insane. I don't know if, if I'll get to 21 free throws in this entire playoff series, but must be nice. <laughs> it must be nice. Uh, LeBron was great in the fourth quarter. Hit some big shots, kind of spearheaded their offense. Drummond stepped up. A lot of other guys, Schroeder. All contributed and played well. Uh, for the Suns, it'll, it'll, like I said before, it'll come down to the health, obviously. They'll need Mikel to play well. Aiden has been great in his first playoff. Um, Cameron Payne. Hat goes off to Cameron Payne. He was in China. He was in the G League. He was kind of bouncing around. I think he scored 19 points last night. Had about six assists. Uh, stepped up uh, in the absence of Chris Paul. But they're going to need a little bit more to get over the hump. And Booker's going to have to find ways to get free because those double teams are coming. Clippers are in danger. 
Mavs up 2-0. Luka goes off for 39 points. Clippers are definitely falling short of expectations, um, dropping two consecutive games at home after tanking down the stretch of the regular season. There was a lot of conversations and talks about them specifically trying to avoid the Lakers, only to go down 0-2 against the Mavs. Luka's been great. They haven't double-teamed him enough. They've switched. Tim Hardaway Jr. hit some big shots down the stretch. Porzingis goes to the club one night, comes back balling the next, and, and also looked great. I think them as a team right now, they wanted this matchup. They're thankful for this matchup, and they're taking this personal based on the loss they took last year. Uh, the Clippers, it is damn it time. It's damn it time for them, for sure. They have to, to go get a must-win game three against a team who shoots well everywhere, especially at home. And Texas is basically wide open, so you know they're going to have a lot of fans in that arena. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how PG plays, substitution patterns Ty Lue may make. Obviously, Kawhi had 40. Uh, 40 or 41 in game two. PG will play well. Um, you need the role players. How many minutes will they give Surge? How often will they trap Luka? How will their rotations be? Uh, will will Luka continue to attack Patrick Beverly uh, because he was abusing him all night, you know, seeking him out, talking trash to him? And it, it's just not looking good for them. I got the Mavs winning this one in, in, in five. Um, damn it, time for the Clippers. On to the Jazz. Grizzlies up 1-0 on the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell sits out late scratch in game one. Um, John Morant goes bonkers. Dylan Brooks scores over 30 points, talking trash, basically saying no one out there could check him. He got to his spots, left hand, right hand, middies. All those things look great. They end up fouling Rudy Gobert out. So I look for the Jazz to really try to respond um, after a lackluster performance in game one. Jordan Clarkson has been named sixth man of the year, so look for him to be extremely aggressive, as he always is. Um, Look for the Utah Jazz to push pace, share the ball, shoot better from three. I think guys will kind of settle back into their normal roles. Bogdanovich did score 29 points on 16 shots. Mike Conley had 22 and 11, but only shot six of 18 from the field. So you'll see them becoming a lot more aggressive. Derek Favors becoming a lot more aggressive, although he had a double-double in game one. He'll need to do a much better job of controlling the glass um, in the event that Rudy is in foul trouble again. And I think Donovan, coming off of an ankle injury, is in a tough spot. Um, he's He's the franchise player, obviously. He's their star. But he hasn't been able to play a game in over seven weeks. His first game back will be a playoff game at home on an ankle in which he'll be guarded by Dylan Brooks, probably asked to guard Dylan Brooks, probably have to guard John Moran as well at some point. So look to, to kind of see and how his ankle, how his body kind of responds after sitting out for so long. I think the Jazz win this series. Um, I think it'll be a, a close series, uh, full of close games, especially when they have to go back to, to Memphis. But I'm looking forward to seeing all of these games, all of these matchups. Those are just my thoughts uh, personally on all these series best part of the season is finally here with the playoffs but stay locked in because we got a lot more to discuss is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed this program will improve your kids grades studies done in almost every state in the country the kids who had ixl are consistently doing better powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality and it doesn't have to eat up all your 
time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And now for your flopping stat of the week. The NBA adopted an anti-flopping rule before the 2012-2013 season. Players can receive up to five violations, which increases in fines each time, and six or more times is subject to suspension. According to SportsTrack, the league gave out 27 fines for flopping from 2013 to 2016. Since then, they have given out two. One in 2019 to Patrick Beverly, one last season to Marcus Smart, and there have been zero fines this season. And that's your flopping stat of the week. One of my favorite segments on the pull-up pod is the pull-up or dish segment. And right now, we're focused on Steph Curry. The question is, will Steph Curry sign an extension with the Warriors? I think the answer is yes. I think it's an easy yes. But Bob Myers, the GM, basically said he's pretty confident he'll be able to re-sign Steph Curry to an extension this summer. He stayed he stated, I don't see any reason not to be optimistic. I would say pretty confidently we'll get something done. Steve Kerr went on to say, obviously, we want Steph back in the worst way. There's no reason to think that that won't happen. Curry's extension could make him the first player in NBA history. I repeat, the first player in NBA history to sign two separate deals worth over $200 million. He's eligible for a four-year extension worth $215 million through the 2025-26 season. Sounds crazy. He'll be 37 or 38 years old at that point, making over $45 million a year, which is well-deserved because he's the face of the franchise, the leading scorer, the NBA darling guy who averaged over 30 points per game and led the NBA in scoring at over the age of 32 for the first time since the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan. He won the scoring title. He was named an MVP finalist on a team that didn't make the playoffs, which shows you how elite he truly is. He shattered three-point record after three-point record. He's revolutionized the game, and he deserves however much money the team can give him. He also probably deserves ownership, if we're being honest. I am pulling up on this. There's no way Steph Curry leaves the Warriors. It, it just wouldn't look right with him in any other jersey. Although... The NBA would be in a bit of disarray if he left. Depending on where he went, he could literally boost a lot of economies and change the trajectory of a lot of teams. So I look forward to watching that. I uh, look forward to seeing how that team is next year with a healthy Clay, a healthy Wiseman, um, Draymond being in that playmaking role, defending, rebounding, passing, Clay shooting on the weak side. The double teams would be less for Steph. The ball movement would be more. And a lot of those younger players that have gained experience will be better. But playing devil's advocate for a second, if he did leave, let's just say he went to the Lakers. <laughs> I wonder what the NBA would do in that situation. That would be hilarious. The Lakers decide not to re-sign Dennis Schroeder, who turned down, who knows, 85, 90 million. Let's say Steph Curry decides to take a discount, goes to LA, teams up with LeBron, and AD, that would be hilarious. The other options, obviously, he'd go to the Sixers. Maybe he wants to go to the East Coast. Maybe he wants to go to Charlotte. He'd go back home. LaMelo Ball, Steph Curry. Maybe he goes to the Knicks. The Knicks do need a point guard. 
D Rose is there right now, but will D Rose resign? He's he's going to be due for a lot of money. There's so many options for Steph. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that would love to have him. A lot of teams that will go after him, but I just don't think he'll make it to the market. The next topic is politicians using sports to try to become more likable. On Tuesday, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio conducted a press conference announcing Madison Square Garden as a vaccination site. In the conference, he wore a Knicks hat and said that he had an important official announcement before telling Trey Young to stop hunting for fouls. De Blasio said, I want to quote Steve Nash, one of the great players, great coaches. He says, that's not basketball, Trey. The Hawks not going to fly in New York City. Come on, play the game the right way. See if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson. <laughs> well, it sounds like a threat. I'm dishing on this. I think the mayor's got to sit this one out. Um, they talked about he had a Brooklyn hat on last week. This week he has a Knicks hat on. Um, he's trying to become more likable. He's trying to become more interesting. I think in this case, he's he's out of line, out of pocket. Trade. Trey does hunt for fouls. He does a great job of manipulating situations, but he's a really good player who just beat your Knicks on a floater, in which he was fouled on. It should have been an and one, if we're being honest. Um, I think it's nice that he's a fan. He has a right to be a fan, but him speaking on one player specifically is a bit disrespectful, and I think Trey's going to take that personal and could put the Knicks in a bit of a bind if he does decide to get hot. And by hot, I mean shoot from half court, make floaters, make his teammates better and go up 2-0 on the Knicks before heading back to a full-capacity Atlanta. Get the dub, take the L. The dub of the year, the dub of the century right now, uh, so to speak, are the fans. Fans coming back to arenas, fans specifically being able to watch us play, specifically here in Oregon uh, with us having a vaccination section, so to speak. We'll have eight to 10,000 fans again. And this is the best time of the year for it. Uh, playoff season, playoff time, games are high intensity. The importance of them matter. The fans give you energy, makes the other team nervous, uh, kind of triggers something in you that, that can't be described. It's just so much different playing with fans compared to without fans. Having gone to the bubble last year, having spent most of this year traveling to cities with no fans, watching the games on TV are better with fans. And I just can't wait to see uh, what they have to bring to the table. There are definitely a lot of advantages for teams that have fans. If you've seen this year, the Utah Jazz have had fans all season and they had the best record in the NBA. I think you look at a lot of these teams, a lot of these players, Brooklyn, New York, the energy is just different with fans. And I can't wait for Thursday night. I also can't wait to watch some of these games. Uh, Atlanta, um, in game three and four, they'll have a full arena. That just changes everything in terms of momentum, how well teams play. For us, I think this is the first time in Trailblazer history that we had a better record on the road than we did at home. So those little things are going to make a huge difference for us, and I can't wait for us to get to full capacity at some point this season. Taking the L. Kwame Brown is is winning and everyone who's disrespected him is taking an L or coming out to apologize right now. The guys on all the smoke, Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, Gilbert Arenas, uh, said some things about Kwame Brown that probably weren't appropriate. Some of them have since apologized, so I will uh, give them a, a pass on that. Arenas went on to call him a show pony and a man child. He said that Michael Jordan killed his confidence and uh, Arenas joining the Wizards was the final blow for him. Brown basically went on to clap back at all three of them. 
Gilbert has since apologized. Matt Barnes has since apologized and also offered him a chance to come on all the smoke. Steven Jackson has since apologized. Um, basically, Charlemagne the God. Anybody that has spoken ill of Kwame Brown has since apologized. And I think the funny part about all of this is that Kwame hasn't said anything up to this point until now. People have talked about him over the years. Stephen, Stephen Smith. Everybody. Everybody has continued to say things about him, calling him out of his name, sometimes calling him a bum, saying he can't play, saying he doesn't know how to rebound, can't set screens, doesn't understand basketball. Some of them have challenged his like in, his intellect, and I think it's finally taken a toll on him to the point where he went on an hour-long YouTube rant in which he's gained a massive, massive following. I'm, I'm a follower of, of Kwame Brown. Um, a lot of guys have backed off since then. And just the, the background of the story is basically that you shouldn't disrespect players' character. You shouldn't talk about their upbringing. You shouldn't put labels on them because then the public perception shifts to where you'll call a guy a bum or say he's a scrub or say he's a failure. But in reality, Kwame Brown, um, not only has he been able to take care of his family, he's well-educated, he's smart, he's an intellectual, he's funny, he's good at storytelling, obviously. And at the end of the day, he's a black man who made it, you know, out of humble beginnings. And I think for us as a, as a society and for us as, you know, ex-players who may be in the journalism realm, you have to keep that in mind. And, and Jalen Jalen Rose talked about it. He talked about how far too often we're labeling players. And one of the words he's thrown away on his show is bust. Uh, you should never define someone as a bust because, for one, they've succeeded in life. Being able to perform a professional sport at an elite level, at the highest level, uh, kind of shows that you're not a bust. Regardless of how your career pans out, maybe it didn't work out, maybe it wasn't the right situation, maybe it wasn't the right time, but you're you're definitely not a bust. And I don't think people should, should use the term either, especially describing 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are not grown yet and still are trying to figure out life um, in general. And for more backstory on the Kwame Brown story, uh, he was the number one overall pick out of high school. Wizards end up drafting him. Michael Jordan decides to come back at that point in time. And a lot of people say that Jordan broke Kwame Brown down. Kwame talks about how they brought in players, vets, to specifically beat up on him and to kind of take his confidence. And that affected him for a very, very long time. And he, he finally, you know, years later comes out and speaks about it. And I think you just have to put yourself in other people's shoes for a second. When I was 18 years old, I was in college making a lot of mistakes. I was young. I was immature. Uh, I wasn't an elite basketball player. And I definitely wasn't ready for the professional world and, and all that comes with that. So for people to kind of place that pressure on an 18 year old man um, who's still learning, still growing, still figuring stuff out. It's just disrespectful. And I think everyone who's disrespected him is now taking the L because Kwame Brown <laughs> is winning right now on the court, off the court. And I'm looking forward to subscribing to his YouTube channel because he's hilarious. Haven't been drinking much wine lately because the playoffs is here and I'm locked in. But on occasion, I do have wine with dinner and over the last week I had some Walter Scott Pinot Noir great price point one of my favorites actually the first Oregon Pinot I ever drank here was Walter Scott volcanic soil from Bryant Creek I truly enjoyed it would highly recommend it for all those out there who want to try a reasonably priced Oregon Pinot I would visit Walter Scott it was pretty good um, Oregon Pinot in general is great and I think people should dive down that realm Thanks again for everybody out there who has listened and subscribed to the podcast. 
as always. Make sure you're following this show on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, and wherever you get your shows. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up. <laughs> <laughs>